Hi, this is Audit Bot, and today I'm going to talk about how to invest in bank stocks. This session is not about handing out stock tips or advisory. It is purely designed for educational purpose to actually help you understand how to understand banks or how to how banks do business and use that knowledge to invest in bank. I am not authorized to provide any form of stock tips. I am a small-time retail investor myself. I have done a bit of investing in the banking sector, and during that phase, I actually did went around and learning a little bit about banking because that is not my core subject. And I thought this uh, this knowledge may be useful to you. So that's the purpose of this session, right? So at the very beginning, right? Uh, and this applies for whenever you are trying to understand any business. Uh, you have to understand that the business is there to actually serve a need profitably. Right, that's the purpose of any business. So, what need does a bank serve? Bank serves our need for finances. Right. Let's say I want to buy a home. I don't have that much money. So, what do I do? I take up a housing loan. That loan or that fund is provided by a bank. So, bank is helping me, helping help providing me that money. Or let's say car loan or any kind of loan out there, or education loan or any kind of loan. So, bank's basic uh, business is. To provide loans when people need money and people or companies need money. So, and how do they make money? They banks make money by charging interest on these loans. Very simple, right? Let's say a bank is there. Let's say a bank gives out a loan of one lakh rupees and collects an interest of ten thousand along with and gets a repayment of the original amount so basically 10000 is what the is the income or the gross income of the bank right so to un- so there is another part to it the question might come how does bank have so much of money that it's going around giving money to people that is because a bank is also serving another purpose it is a storehouse for money so people are going about and keeping money in bank and it's this money that we are putting in in the form of savings deposits recurring deposits or current account it is this money that helps a bank build up a corpus used from where they loan out to people right it's that simple so at the very beginning uh, let's understand one major matrix that we need to understand and this will keep on coming back so when why will i put money in a particular bank so that is because a bank is providing me interest for that definitely the interest which a bank provides someone for putting money in the bank is less than the interest that the bank charges for lending out money or else the bank will not have any chance to do business right so you collect money a bank collects money at a lower interest rate and loans it out at a higher interest rate the difference in the interest rate is the net income that a that the bank makes this there's a term for this it's called nim net interest margin see if the average interest that a bank has to pay for all the money it has collected is 10% and the average interest that a bank gets from all the loans that it has dispersed is 14% then the net interest margin is 14% minus 10% of 4%. All right. So, how does NIM impact how does NIM or uh, net interest margin help us understand uh, whether a bank is good or not? It tells us one thing. 
whether the bank is able to do its keep core business profitably or not right so that's the thing but there are a lot of other caveats so it's not that the bank with the highest nim is the one where you put in all your money and i will explain you why shortly we have to understand a little bit about how this uh, loaning business works right let's say let's say there are two people who are coming for getting the same loan from a bank right the first person has a great track record the first he has always been on time in clearing his credit card bills all the past loans that he has taken he has paid off he has never been late on his emis and 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 a perfect guy for and any institution would love to give him loans because it is a very very safe loan right a safe very very safe ask another and other guy who has come in has not that great a track record maybe they have maybe there has been some credit card defaults maybe some missed emis some loans where uh, which are yet to be paid off right so the bank sees some bit of risk in lending out money to this person so you have to understand one thing in the business of loaning out money you are basically doing taking a risk right risk is what if i don't get repaid that is the risk that the bank is taking so it's not just about uh, it's it's not as easy as okay i'll just collect money from everyone at 10% and pay them 10% interest and just loan that out to anyone who is willing to pay 14% interest i have to also see whether that person is uh, worthy of getting that loan that is actually the main game that goes on here so let's understand a little bit more here right so what will happen in the case that i was talking about the first person who has a great history with very clean history in terms of the loans and repayments he is a bank would love to give him a loan right but the fact is all banks would love to give him a loan so effectively what would happen they would compete against each other and end up giving him a loan at a low interest right i mean for example if just think of it this way right you go to uh, the uh, you go to the market to buy vegetables and there are five or six vegetable vendors sitting alongside each other all of them want you as a customer so they will try to give you the best deal right and effectively you will get the best deal so while the uh, this first guy is definitely a safe option for the bank he is not a very profitable option for the bank right now consider the second guy the guy whose track record is not that great right he is risky so the bank will definitely want some extra money or want to if for betting on this person right plus uh, not all other banks will also not really want him and so they would not mind quoting him a very high interest rate right because it's like it's it's a risky candidate if it's not if it doesn't come in doesn't come in i don't care if it comes in and and it actually works out well i make a lot of money so there can be a justification of why the bank took that risk right so what happens here so basically in the second case the bank has a much higher risk but can potentially make more more nim or more more uh, more uh, income right so as you can understand that there are two things that are happening here one thing is profitability the other thing is risk higher the chances of profitability low uh, higher is the risk lower the chance of profitability 
lower the risk. So it kind of becomes like uh, it's always a game that the banks have to keep playing. That what do I do? Do I take more risk, or and uh, do I improve my profitability, or do I just go play safe and just work off a minimum profitability? To understand this better, there is actually a third metric that actually impacts a uh, very heavily how a bank is able to perform. That number is called CASA, C A S A. In other words, it is current account savings account. Now, why is CASA important? Like I said, the bank goes around collecting money from different sources, and that becomes the corpus of the bank. So, let's consider some of the sources. The bank may go and collect money from savings account, current account, from fixed deposit, from other loans that it gets. So that is how a bank collects money. Now, what is the cheapest source of money from the bank? It is actually current account because in current account, a bank does not have to pay any interest. Second most cheapest source for a bank is savings account. Again, on savings account, the interest the bank does have to pay interest on savings account, but it is the lowest amongst all the other options. So, if a bank can get most of its fund from current account and savings account or casa you could say the bank is able to collect money or put build a corpus while paying a very low interest rate right so what happens when that happens right let's say i have two banks bank a is able to uh, a bank a is in um, uh, interest rate at which the bank a generally uh, has built its pool is at 5% and the interest rate at which bank b has built its pool is 10% now how will how differently will they behave now let's say a certain person comes around right uh, the a certain guy comes around looking for a certain kind of loan and the customer and all banks want him so let's say eventually the interest rate that the person has to pay is something like 7% now bank a will able to provide him a loan at 7% interest risk free right? because this person has a very low risk uh, is a very low risk candidate so it's a low risk road a loan that the bank provides at 7% interest and makes 2% profit can bank b even entertain this customer no it can't right because bank b is actually getting money at 10% so to give out money at 7% means going for a loss so bank b to actually has to do business has to look for customers who are willing to pay more than 10% interest that becomes that is that becomes challenging because the people who are willing to pay that high amount of interest are actually more riskier candidates right so if a bank is not able to collect money at a low interest rate it is not it will not be able to lend out money at a low interest rate and as a result of which it will end up becoming it, its business operations will end up becoming risky so we i spoke about nim the second thing that we need to understand is casa right so let's say i have two banks bank 1 is has a casa percentage of 40% bank 2 has a casa percentage of 50% i can say blindly that bank 2 is uh, able to collect money at a much lower interest rate than bank 1 so bank 2 will be able to give out interest uh, uh, give out loans at a lower interest rate and still make money in other words will be able to give out lower uh, low risk loans right so casa and nim uh, are two major metrics that you need to look at there is actually a third metric also that actually helps helps uh, give get 
helps give you a full picture of the bank and that is NPA. What is NPA? NPA stands for non-performing asset. To understand non-performing asset, first let's understand what is an asset. Let's say your house is considered to be your asset or let's say a jewelry or gold jewelry is considered to be an asset. Asset is anything that you can monetize in future, right? And you can generate money from, like you can sell your house and get money. You can sell your jewelry and get money, right? But uh, so whether some assets appreciate with time, like houses, land, and etc. Some assets depreciate with time, like cars, right? So if you if you have a car, you can sell that car to get money, but it, obviously it will not be as much as you had paid earlier, right? So uh, so that's the thing, right? So an asset is anything that can be monetized to give you that can potentially give you money in future. For a bank, when when a bank lends out loan, it is expecting that the loan will uh, be repaid in future with interest. So basically, loans are an asset for the bank, right? So what is a non-performing asset? Non-performing asset is nothing but a loan on which the bank is not expecting a repayment because the bank has realized that they had given the wrong person the loan. The person is not going to be able to pay back. There's nothing that the bank can do. And finally, the bank has to write off that loan and consider it as a non-performing asset or NPA. Why is NPA important, right? NPA is important because NPA gives a understanding of historically how the bank has fared in terms of giving out loans and uh, at uh, understanding whom to give loans out to, right? Whether they have given loans to the right people or not. So let's say a bank has a very high NPA percentage, then possibly the bank has a problem in giving out loans to the right entities or in collecting the money back, right? So may not be a very, very safe option to play with. Now, let's consider some cases, right? And then we'll conclude this discussion. Let's think of a case where, the, like I said, the CASA, when there is a bank with high CASA and low NIM, we, what do we need to add low NPA? What does this mean? This means that the bank is a pretty big bank, which has, uh, which is able to generate money at a lower interest rate uh, or collect money at a lower interest rate. And thus is able to give out money at a lower risk, right? So this is a bank where we do not have chances of the bank failing or anything. This will be a steady bank, but may not end up becoming very, very profitable. Is it possible for a bank to have... So uh, so uh, one more point I just wanted to mention here that uh, I mentioned, kept mentioning risk, right? I mentioned NIM as a measure of profit. I mentioned CASA that kind of gives, indicates uh, how much, uh, how easy uh, or how cheap is it for a bank to raise capital. And I kept mentioning risk. The best measure for risk is NPA. High NPA percent means high risk. Low NPA percent means low risk. Simple, right? Is it possible, now with this context, is it possible for a bank to have a very high NIM and a low NPA percent? Basically, it's a case where you are actually making a lot of money. You are giving out money at a higher interest rate, but the, the loans are of less risk. It is in some cases, right? And that is a discussion for another for another day, but it is possible. And overall, when you invest in banks, so these are three numbers you need to look at. Whether the bank has a decent CASA, whether it has a positive NIM, so that it shows that it's able to make money. And finally, whether it has an acceptable NPF percentage. Thank you.